everyone, and welcome to another episode of Toho Yaro, the Japanese Movie Club podcast. I'm your host for this month, Alex Kazanis, and with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Joey Weiser. Hello, hello. And Scott Dryman. Hi, everybody. And this month, we're going to be talking about Kiku Jiro. Kikujiro is a 1999 film by, uh, and by by, I mean starring, written, and directed, and edited by <laughs> Beat Takeshi Kitano. Uh, this movie is a, uh, I guess you could call it a, a road trip movie. Um, yeah. More than, I mean, if you're going to classify it uh, as a movie. And I think it's a pretty wide departure for Beat Takeshi, who is mostly known for his uh, Yakuza films, although, you know, there are some uh, bits in this movie that are tangentially related to Yakuza. Yeah. Um. I, so I can't remember if this is a hard and fast rule, but he's credited as Beat Takeshi here, and I think in a lot of his uh, Yakuza stuff, he's Takeshi Kitano. Uh, so I think this is the, the, the Beat Takeshi name specifically is usually used for comedy stuff. That would oh, make that's sense. Interesting. Huh. I, that's, that's a good... Uh, that's a good catch there, Scott. Um, so uh, this movie, I watched this. Um, I watched this movie. When did I see this? Probably early college. Like I watched most of my, uh, you know, most of the Japanese film that I kind of uh, chowed down on in the uh, the early aughts. And um, I, I guess during that time, I was also going through a massive uh, beat Takeshi. Uh, I wouldn't call it a phase, but that's where I was just sort of devouring anything beat Takeshi. Hmm. Uh, my buddy and uh, friend of the uh, and, cl- and frequent collaborator of the One Piece podcast, Greg Werner, uh, recommended this movie to me, and he cited it as one of his favorites. And uh, I, re- I remember this this was like in my top ten favorite movies for a couple of years. Um, I really really like it. Um, and I forgot how much I loved it until I rewatched it for the podcast. Uh, do you guys have any history with uh, this movie in particular? Uh, yeah, I had seen this previously. Uh, the last time I saw it, I am almost positive it was on VHS. Um, and I'm telling you, <laughs> I might as well have not even seen it because I, I remember liking it, but watching it this time, it was almost like watching it for the first time. Like, outside of just some sort of, like, goofing around towards the end and stuff, I hardly remembered anything from this movie. So, so glad that I revisited it. I hadn't seen it before. It's something that when going to the to the local video store that had a pretty good selection, it was always something that I would see on the shelf but never actually rented. So, it was, uh, it was my first time. Well, I guess we can get right into it. Uh, like, like I mentioned earlier, uh, Beat Takeshi... Wrote, directed, and edited it. So uh, he basically this was this was uh, I think his baby. Mm-hmm. Um, the music was composed by Joe Hisaishi. Yes, that Joe Hisaishi of uh, Studio Ghibli fame, and uh, he also did the music for Sonatine. If uh, listeners will will remember. Uh, yeah, and it was really interesting to kind of compare and contrast the two scores in my mind. 
Yeah, this is very different, and I think more along the lines of what the uh, the kind of stuff they did for Studio Ghibli. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, the cast is uh, relatively small. Uh, there are there are not a whole lot of extras in this movie. Um, it's it's mostly just a, a core cast. Uh, Beat Takeshi, of course, um, who really needs no introduction, is uh, is the title character of Kikujiro, a uh, a ex yakuza gambler, um, and uh, his credits, of course, uh, we should probably note include movies like Sonachine, Hanabi, Violent Cop, Boiling Point. Uh, the Zatoichi movie that we covered a few months ago. The list goes on, um, mm-hmm. uh, of course, and uh, of course, Beat Takeshi is also known for being a uh, a comic part of a two man comedy act with Beat Kiyoshi, his his partner, called Two Beat. So, uh, yeah, Beat Takeshi has had a long storied career uh, in both yakuza films and uh, manzai comedy. Uh, the other main, the other main character of the of the duo in this movie is uh, Yusuke Sekiguchi as Masao, who um, he plays a little boy, and he is uh, is quite great. Uh, yeah, and f- unfortunately, he hasn't done anything else really. Um, IMDb cites him as uh, as an actor, I guess, maybe a voice in the uh, in the video game Bust a Move, um, and by Bust a Move, I mean. Uh, the bubble bobble puzzle game, not the um That is interesting. Not huh. the, not the not the dance game. Yeah. Which is uh, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Uh I think they all had a a personal connection to to Beat Takeshi. That will lead us into uh, the next guy that I'm going to talk about. Uh the great Gidayu, uh as Mr. Heavyweight, the biker. Uh the biker sure. that uh Masao calls Mr. Heavyweight. So yeah. the great Gidayu um, has been in a couple films, but uh, he was a regular on Takeshi's Castle. The uh, oh. <laughs> yes, the oh. uh, the extreme sports uh, game show that uh, Beat Takeshi had hosted, um, and uh, he looks like he's also been in a couple other gag projects with Takeshi, as um, even as uh, recently as 2014. That makes uh, sense now because a lot of times I think the people that perform next to Takeshi get kind of uh, you know, abused somewhat and to see his character <laughs> kind of get like yelled at and made fun of and all sorts of things in this movie now makes a lot more sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, now his partner, the other biker, uh, AKA Mr. Baldy is played by uh, Rakyo Ide who um, has uh, been in a, a much more, much more um, film than, mm. uh, than his counterpart. Um, most notably boiling point, which is another uh, Takeshi Kitano directed uh, Yakuza movie. Fumie Hosokawa is the uh, is the juggler. She apparently is a model, not just any model, but the original uh, quote end quote huge breasts model. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's 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 her claim to fame. Uh, I, I'd like to talk briefly about Boba, uh, who is um, who plays one of the Yakuza members in in this uh, in this movie. Who is a uh, a staple of of movies that we've watched. He doesn't uh, show up in every single movie, but he's uh, been in Shark Skin Man and Peach Hip Girl, as as well as a few others. He's like uh, a character actor in a lot of uh, like Yakuza type roles. Yeah, he has he has one of those faces. Um, and uh, so 
I wanted to talk about this guy a little bit. Akaji Maro, he plays um, the scary man. And uh, apart from being a, uh, a theater actor, a film actor, and um, the father of a few other famous uh, directors, apparently, he um, does a, uh, a form of Japanese dance theater called Buto, which, um, which is, uh, according to Wikipedia, a uh, form of dance theater that encompasses a diverse range of activities, techniques, and motivations for dance, performance, or movement. Following the Second World War, uh, Buto arose in 1959 through collaborations between its two key founders, Hijikata Tatsumi and Ono Kazuo. The art form is known to resist fixity, fix, yeah, resist fixity, <laughs> and be difficult to define, uh, which uh, which uh, makes sense given um, this actor's. Uh, role in this particular movie. Uh, common features of the art form include playful and grotesque imagery, taboo topics, extreme or absurd environments, and it's traditionally performed in white body makeup with slow, hyper-controlled motion. Yeah, yeah. I, I uh, introduced, uh, I showed um, Blind Woman's Curse at our little local like bar theater, and and there's a Buto dancer in that as well, and I I watch tried to, <laughs> i watched some videos and read up on it uh, and to try to kind of be able to describe it in my introduction and it, it is correct that it is difficult to describe exactly what it is it's like somewhere between what you would think of as traditional japanese theater and then like modern dance uh i i never actually watched it before i had heard it talked about as just this weird form of like dance theater and knew that it was the inspiration for a lot of the uh kind of style of modern japanese horror movies with ghosts mm. like the weird stilted movement mm. and and body paint is an inspiration oh far out yeah um so the uh, and the last actress or actor or actress I'd like to talk about is uh, Kayoko Kishimoto, who is in the movie briefly as Kikujiro's wife. Um, oh, she's great. Yeah, she's been in several of his of his movies, uh, Hanabi um, and Dolls. Uh, she's won the award for best supporting actress at the twenty third uh, Japanese Academy Prize for this particular movie, and um, she uh, mainly gained popularity for her commercials, including a manzai double act with. Uh, Kirin Kiki in the 80, in 1980s, uh, a Fuji film commercial, and uh, she had uh, and she frequently performed alongside uh, Sonny Chiba in uh, Toyota commercials, hmm. which I think is uh, <laughs> kind of interesting. Oh man, I'm gonna try to look those up. That's great. Yeah. Um. So uh, we got the cast out of the way. Um, I guess it's it's time to go into the summary for Kiku Jiro. Uh, so we meet Masao, who is a, a lonely boy who lives alone with his, uh, with his grandmother in, in Tokyo, uh, specifically Shitamachi. His friends are going away at summer vacation time. He has nowhere to go, really. And uh, he receives a package and finds a photo of his mother, who, he never know, who he's never known. Um, we find out from, uh, from Kikujiro and his wife, who we meet uh, very early on in the movie, that uh, his father died in an accident, and uh, the mother is working far away. Uh, and at this time in the movie, they have some really playful banter, and uh, I would definitely watch a separate movie of just the two of them. <laughs> yeah, they had uh, they had really I thought they had really fun chemistry. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting that she won an award or some recognition 
for this movie because she has a pretty small role, but she is very charismatic. Like she definitely pops. Yeah. Like uh, she's so uh, Masao wants to go and see his mother and Kikujiro's wife basically tells Kikujiro, hey, go take this kid to see to see his mother. Um, and she uh, she tells Masao's grandmother that uh, that they're you know, they're uh, they're going to the beach and it'll be fine. Uh, don't worry, he'll take care of uh, he'll take care of me. He's great with kids. <laughs> so she so she gives him uh, fifty thousand yen, and uh, they uh, they begin their walk uh, or they begin their journey to uh, Toyohashi, which um which is a couple uh, hundred miles uh, southwest of Shitamachi, Tokyo. And I actually did Google I did a Google Maps of this. Um, so uh, Shitamachi, Tokyo to Toyohashi is a roughly three hour car or train ride and if oh, you're wow. yeah and if you were to walk there it would take 60 hours i so, was imagining it was much farther than that um, yeah no it's so, just they go very slow <laughs> that's right yeah so keep that in mind throughout this entire thing like this is a this is basically a uh yeah this is a trip to for, for me it's a trip to ocean city maryland basically <laughs> Uh, Fifty thousand yen is like way more money than he actually needed to make that trip. But yeah, no kidding. Yeah, fifty thousand yen. So that's what uh, five hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. It's so. Uh, uh, oh, I should mention that the framing device for this movie is really uh, is really cute. It's a "What I Did on My Summer Vacation" type book, um, and the movie is kind of divided up into into uh, entries. Um, like one sentence entries, basically, or one phrase entries, so to speak. Uh, and the framing device of this movie, I think, like it fucking melted my heart at at times. Mm. Uh, so they, uh, oh, I, I also point, I uh, made sure to uh, note that he has an entire shelf full of Weekly Shonen Jump. I, which, don't, I yeah, I noticed that too. <laughs> my <laughs> eyes go straight to that, and I was trying my hardest to figure out what the books on the shelf next to it were because some of them look like manga, but uh, to no avail. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, and while Masao is is basically spending his first day of summer vacation alone, uh, he has this really funny scene where he's in the uh, he's in an empty soccer field, and his uh, teacher, I believe, basically just tells him, "Hey, it's summer. Just what are you doing?" We're... <laughs> Close. There's go. no more practice. Yeah, go have fun. And uh, I, I love. I kind of love the beginning of this movie because it's so. Um, I don't know. It feels very. Mm, it, I feel. I feel jealous of him. Like, man, I wish I was in your position where I literally had nothing to do for an entire day. <laughs> <laughs> um, the beginning is very interesting because there's like so little actually happens. There's almost no dialogue. It's mostly just him, like trying to go hang out with people and they're either not there or going to going on their own trips. And it's just this like sad, dejected kid, but he carries this entire beginning part of the movie so well, even though there's no dialogue, he's not actually doing anything. He's just sitting there staring, but it works so <laughs> yeah. much. Yeah. I made, I made sure to note that this, um that there is a lot of this movie that is conveyed just, with with absolutely no dialogue it's it's kind of it's kind of awesome uh a lot of great acting going on here from everybody uh so they so the first thing that kikajura does is um takes masao and they go to the bike races which i think is a hilarious thing to gamble on uh (laughs) 
Yeah, of uh, the four legal things to gamble on in Japan, which is I think horse racing, motorcycle racing, bike racing, and motorboats, bicycle racing is by far the like best comedy choice. <laughs> oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, you see that he's he's constantly losing, partially due to his uh, winning picks falling off of their bike, getting injured. We see this a lot. This this scene goes on for quite a while. Uh-huh. I feel like maybe it goes on. It's starting to like kind of try my patience towards the end. But the the first when when it went back after they won and it immediately cuts to both the cyclists being injured off to the side. I I laughed out loud. Oh yeah, there's this really great montage where Masao uh, gives him a winning number and, uh, you know they they kind of have a night on the town, um, a little bit. Uh, he accompanies Kikujiro in, in his revelry. And uh, the next day, he tries Masao's blind luck again. He gives him a uh, a bike uniform, and he's like, hey, look at this cool thing I bought you. I'm pretty great, right? All right, now what are the – give me some winning numbers. And uh, there's this really, really funny montage of uh, him just giving him random numbers, and uh, Kikujiro's patience uh, slowly wavers and becomes complete total anger by the end of it. Uh <laughs> Yeah, the, the comedic timing of this is uh, quite good. So um, they they lose it all <laughs> once again, uh, and uh, the down down uh, down on their luck. He gets, uh, Kikujiro heads to a yakitori place, leaves Masao outside, who then is uh, abducted by a a uh, a child molester who uh, is known as the Scary Man in uh, in Masao's diary and um i kind of forgot about the scene and mm-hmm. i was i was very like angry at kikujiro uh for his negligence um yeah 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 this the scene was like oh man jesus how oh, this is doing an incredible job of making you really unlikable um yeah i mean if if anything it kind of like goes ahead and addresses like yes like I, it's kind of one of those things that that crosses your mind when you think of like a strange man is escorting a tiny child. Yeah. You know, for a summer, you know, I, I couldn't help but be like when, when his, when Kikajiro's wife tells his grandmother, like, Oh, my husband's taking him to the beach. Uh, it, it seemed weird to me that, that, that the grandmother was just like fine with it because it does kind of raise red flags. And I think that this, this scene almost kind of addresses that. It's kind of yeah. like, I know what you're all thinking. <laughs> I feel you know. like children in Japan are a lot more independent than they are here. So it's less mm. weird, I guess, for children to like go off on trips sure. with, with like, I know this person, he's fine hanging out with him. Yeah. But, so it didn't strike me. As, it didn't like raise my eyebrows that he was just going off with this random adult he knows. Although it, it, it is funny. He just co- doesn't know his name until the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So uh, this this is a uh, so he he basically rescues Masao um, from this guy, um, then beats the shit out of him, and then uh, and then puts himself in Masao's position in uh, a kind of wacky scene where where uh, yeah he's he's basically like well what are you gonna do now you're gonna suck it like yeah it's it's uh, yeah so. So this is uh, the kind of the turning point where Kikujiro begins to really take this uh, his uh, his care of Masao quite seriously and uh, feels like he's responsible for his actions. Um, so there is a making of documentary 
called Jam Sessions for this particular film, and I didn't, hmm. I couldn't find it. Um, it might be on my on the DVD that I have somewhere, but um, I did uh, in looking up clips of it, I did find a particular. Um, um, I did find a particular clip where Kikijiro is talking to his uh, his cinematographer uh, Katsumi uh, Yanagashima, who actually has been a cinematographer on several movies, um, and uh, they they show um, there's an outtake between between uh, Kikijiro and that guy, and they sort of have have a little fun in that in that scene, mm-hmm. um, and then he says to a cinematographer the next day he says Ah, quite a scene yesterday. Uh, I uh, no, she says. She says to him, "Quite a scene yesterday." To which uh, Beat Takeshi says, "I dreamt that actor was still trying to get my pants off. What a shock! I woke <laughs> up and lost it. Pretty awful scene, huh?" And then she says, uh, "Even more absurd than getting any, right?" And uh, getting any is a, a sex comedy that mm-hmm. uh, Takeshi did a few years earlier. And then uh, Takeshi says this. He says, uh, "You think it'll crack them up? The kids' scene will freak them out, but they'll laugh at my scene." It's so unexpected. He's so wacky, dropping his pants and saying, then what? Totally unreal. But, it's, it's, but it establishes my character and the flow of the film. Anything else he does is believable. But as wacky as he is, the kids not having seen the mom should get to him. See a kid, thanks. And he hasn't helped at all. After hey, I think he should say, let's try to see your mom again. And I guess he's referring to the end of the film at that point. Um, but I, I thought that was, uh, that was interesting because that was the one scene that I was just like, ah, oh, I need to... Mm. Trying to figure figure it out a little bit, and uh, it just so happens that the clip that I ran into discusses uh, that scene and mm-hmm. and the uh, and the character of Kikujiro. Yeah, yeah, I'm still not a big fan of the scene or using that as a device, especially in a movie that's supposed to be like family friendly. Maybe yeah. something a little less overtly menacing than than it yeah. actually is. Like he's got him in his in just his underpants by the time Kikujiro finds him. Yeah, but, it's, it gets um, pretty rough. Uh, but yeah, that is a big turning point in the movie because up until then, uh, like I've, I've talked to you guys about my, uh, my problems with, with Torasan being kind of like this callous mean person, how I have trouble empathizing with him. Like once, once you're past that scene and, uh, Kijiro realizes that like, oh, this kid, like maybe doesn't know how to take care of himself and actually needs me to look, to look after him to some degree mm-hmm. uh he he takes a lot more interest in in masao and like actually wants to get him on this journey even if he's still got all of these like weird detours and and goofy things that he does in between he he gets a lot more uh he becomes a much more sympathetic character to me yeah that's interesting that's interesting that you bring up torasan because i i actually had that thought as well that he's a sort of hmm Torasan like character where he's he kind of can't help but be up to no good, but he's uh, at least at, <laughs> to my mind, you know, sort of sympathetic because he's also lonely and um, sad in some ways as well. I think I, I think also just in general, I find him more sympathetic than Torasan because Torasan doesn't realize until after the fact a lot of the things that he's doing or. Mm-hmm hurting people around him or embarrassing them. Uh, Kikajiro, I'm pretty sure he knows the things that he's doing are upsetting people. And it's, he just accepts that he's this kind of like brash person that doesn't really belong. So he's acting out on purpose just to, to kind of accentuate that role Hmm. and, and is much more self-aware about it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and there's a little more to Kikujiro, which we'll find out um, later on in the film. Uh, so they're on their they're now they're really on their way uh, to um, to uh, to Yahashi, and uh, they take a taxi. Um, but uh, Kikujiro gets gets uh, frustrated when the taxi driver has to get out and take a leak. So uh, he <laughs> he steals the taxi, um, uh, but has no clue how to drive stick or shift gears. <laughs> And uh, and it eventually breaks down, and the scene where he's driving with the taxi is absolutely absolutely hilarious because the driver gets out and he just doesn't do anything about it. Yeah, that's another scene that I, that I laughed out loud at when he there's steam coming everywhere and he's like, "Boy, this looks this is dangerous." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so they uh, they eventually uh, they eventually. Um, spend the night in said taxi and uh they uh decide to hitchhike um uh but uh not before uh not before uh heading to a hotel uh the man i didn't look up the guy who plays the um the desk clerk but i'm sure i've seen him before uh so he treats uh, Masao to a little bit of some fun uh, they, they, they buy matching, uh, Hawaiian shirts and sunglasses and, um, and they go swimming and Kikujiro looks like a total moron while he's swimming and, uh, winds up cartoonishly upside down. Uh, the scene where he, uh, where you see him try to swim and then, uh, the, ta- the, uh, the hotel staff, uh, come to his aid, like all the cuts, it's something out of a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah. Uh, I I <laughs> I kind of loved it, and um, at that time we also get our first look at his yakuza tattoo. Oh yeah, uh, which kind of uh, it it reminded me of earlier in the movie when uh, Kikujiro is talking to those those troubled teens and uh, threatening them, and his wife says, uh, "Hey, stop stop playing gangster." Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, so we have um our first weird dream sequence slash nightmare uh as um. Masao takes a look at the Yakuza tattoo and uh, has sort of a vivid uh, flashback of the scary man, but um, I believe um, it's Buto. I was yeah. trying to figure out if it was Kabuki, but now that uh, I know that this uh, particular actor is a Buto actor, or Butoka actor, rather, um, it makes complete sense, this weird nightmare. So they leave the, uh, they leave the, uh, the hotel, and uh, the... The clerk drives them to uh, a truck stop, where they try to ask a trucker to uh, to give them a lift. To which he says, uh, <laughs> "To which he says, uh, no." I love the line where the trucker goes, "Who are you?" And he goes, "A hitchhiker, damn it!" <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, super, super good. Um, but they end up uh, getting a ride with a uh, a guy going on a date with his girlfriend. Um, using uh using Masao as as a uh as a bit of um uh what do you call it I, I guess bait with yeah. you know drawing drawing a yeah. super funny sad face on him. Oh my yeah. god, the reveal of that of the face that like you know that he's he's made him like look more sad, but you don't see it until it's the reverse shot 
when the the girl was talking to him in the car and it just looks so goofy and then the the later reveal of seeing that he has done makeup on himself too <laughs> oh god it's, it's so good uh so um they uh they end up stopping and uh kind of having a little bit of fun uh with with Kikajiro and and Masao and uh i kind of uh, this is uh sort of what i remember these are the kind of scenes that I remember from the movie, uh, from my mm-hmm. first viewing of it. Uh, these little, um, these little diversions, and it's really cute. Uh, we find out that she's a juggler, which I love. Like she's 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 the real talent uh, uh, of these two. But then um, she uh, tells Masao to give uh, give her boyfriend a quarter, and he does this fun robot dance with a really great mechanical sound foley. And uh, the camera pans out and. Uh, says keep off the grass which i thought was really uh <laughs> yeah. a really funny reveal uh oh right <laughs> i forgot to mention that he throws a uh, a rock oh, yeah. at that truck and uh we see we pretty much immediately see the consequences right afterwards the truck catches up to uh to them and they kind of have it out uh that's the one thing i really like about this movie is that you see consequences for basically every action here yeah he doesn't really get away he's so reckless that you'd think he would get away sometimes with this stuff but he really never does yeah Yeah. this is this is one of those things where i'm like he's more self-aware than than torasan because he like he knows he's doing a terrible thing but just (laughs) like can't help himself to do it anyway but kind of like doesn't try to shirk his responsibility in what happened when the guy actually catches up to them. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, after their, after this fun little diversion, the, uh, juggler and her boyfriend drop, um, Masao and Kikajiro off at a really old <laughs> abandoned <laughs> bus stop, but of all places to, to drop them off. And, uh, if you have an Eagle eye, you will notice a, a Murakon, a Murakon, uh, Oranamin C poster, the same kind that the guy in uh, Sharkskin Man and Peach Hip Girl collected in the bus stop. Yeah, yeah. Um, I freaked out when I saw that. And Is I, that the only one? Because I don't know if I've just been watching a lot of Japanese media, but I keep seeing them everywhere and stuff, and I thought there were multiple ones in this movie. I think that's, that's it. There's other okay. uh, old advertisements on the sides of the bus stop, but it may have been something else on. I was watching that I kept seeing Konchan in. Yeah. Yeah, but it's super it's super funny that like that when we watched that movie, uh it kind of brought it brought uh attention to me that this is actually a very popular um thing that people do. Yeah, yeah it's like it's an Easter egg to us now. Super yeah. famous ad. So yeah, you you do see it especially when something's supposed to be like set in the Showa era or maybe like this like hadn't been touched since the Showa era, like that's a good way to represent that by by having this old advertisement uh, mm-hmm. yeah it's it's kind of fun how that kind of thing dates a movie uh so uh i i noted this there's a really fun wheel view of um the camera is in the wheel well as they drive away uh kind of a this movie's full of neat neat camera uh camera tricks like that mm-hmm. and i know that uh you know as soon as they leave you know masao is sad again and these these melancholy moments of sadness after a super delightful time are super relatable. Like, oh, I just had a really great weekend and now I have to go back to the real world kind of thing. Uh, yeah, it's feel- that that kind of, that drop after an exciting event, and then yeah. it's just like, yeah, the, the reality slowly seeps back in. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah. 
So they're they're hanging out at this bus stop for a while, and a a man who is a farmer, but he actually works at a factory piano a, a piano factory, but is actually the uh, <laughs> the security guard for the piano factory um, <laughs> sits sits down, and there's a really fun comedy routine, and of course that is Beat Kiyoshi, uh, Beat Takeshi's counterpart of Two Beat, and um, it's the only it's the first uh, aside from a little bit of YouTube digging that I did when we did our first uh, Takeshi movie. Uh, this is the first time I've seen it in action, and and have been cognizant of it. Yeah, it's cool. I I don't yeah I don't know him well enough to have recognized him while I was watching this scene. But when I was watching the credits roll, uh, I and was reading the credits, I I saw his name pop up, and I was like, I was like, who? And it said something like Bus Stop Man or something like that, and I was just like, oh, weird. <laughs> yeah, it definitely it definitely has the cadence of like, it, it, honestly, a lot of things in this movie have the cadence of like this is a an established comedy troupe or something, but they definitely have a kind of rapport with each other. Now, this scene actually kind of infuriated me because uh, <laughs> as far as as far as like Kikijiro's mischief is concerned, like this is one where he like switches. So he switches out the oranges that he had from the juggling girl for this guy's lunch, and I was just kind of like. It's it's such an like small gain that he's getting, but he just can't help himself but like uh, you know, be up to no good. And it was just kind of like, man, this is exactly what's wrong gain. with you, dude. <laughs> it's like uh, you got three perfectly good oranges, you're swapping them out for mystery food. Like he's yeah, it's just like a pathological need to mess with people. Yeah. <laughs> that well, yeah, that that sounds about right. And um and I think, and that's part of uh, that's part of his plan for hitchhiking as well. <laughs> um, he uh, <laughs> uh, after after some time hitchhiking and failing miserably, they decide to walk, you know, walk along some more. And uh, Kigajir has the amazing idea to put a tack on the ground, and uh, they'll and when the uh, tire goes flat, Masao and Kigajir will help them change the tire. And we'll get a ride that way. Um, well, the first time they put a tack down, the car skids off, and um, and uh, and and uh, it goes into a uh, what do you call it? A waterway, yeah, like a culvert or something. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, just like an aquifer. It spectacularly spins out down this like concrete hill. <laughs> And it's, then they it's run this away. Super thin road that has like yeah downward <laughs> slopes on either side. Like if you're gonna put down a nail, maybe that is the worst place to do it. <laughs> like I I can't tell you how how long I laughed. For I had to pause the movie. I laughed so hard. Like it, <laughs> <laughs> just the way like it, it swerves. Like it 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 feels like a like throwaway Simpsons gag. Like I would have totally gone with it if the car had just like exploded at the end. It yeah. was so goofy. One hundred percent. Like so funny. Um. So they eventually they eventually do make it to uh Toyo uh Toyohashi, uh, and um. Oh, they they meet the poet guy. Oh right, that's right. For part of it, when he's trying to like. Is he trying to steal the van? He's trying to like unlock the wheels. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then uh, they uh, Masao actually just asks the guy to give them a lift, and and he obliges. Yeah, he's yeah. this drifting poet with a 
with a van full of books and stuff and seems just like real happy-go-lucky. Yeah. Uh, Masao uh, gives him the moniker of Mr. Nice Guy. Uh, or Anchan, I guess. And uh, which which I guess means little brother. Um, it's a, an affectionate way of saying little brother, Anchan. Uh, and um, they finally make it to Toyohashi. And uh, when they reach the address... Uh, oh, God, I completely forgot to mention this. Uh, the juggler gives um, gives Masao a new backpack uh, with wings on it. Oh, yeah. That's cute. Really cute backpack that he just wears for the rest of the movie. And um, there they they go to the uh, the address of Masao's mother. Uh, he's sitting there waiting with his with his cute winged backpack. And uh, as Kikujiro goes towards the house, uh, he sees her come out. And um, two other people come out with her, a, a uh, what looks to be a new man and a daughter. And this sort of destroys Masao, and um, Kikijiro, uh, you know, tries to cheer him up, saying that, uh, oh, no, she probably just moved away. She just moved away. She probably just moved away. Don't, don't worry about it. Let's, yeah, that was someone else. Yeah, let's, let's go home. And it's, it's pretty heartbreaking. And uh, as Masao is crying, he, he says, hey, I'll be right back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to... Uh, try to confirm this, confirm my suspicions. And then he, uh, he runs into uh, what I would love to call the two men who should not be bikers uh, <laughs> because they are so nice and so, like, just completely submissive. <laughs> <laughs> they can be bikers. Well, sure. Well, There's sure. A requirement that you're mean and tough to be a biker. Well, okay. They, they, what that, what I mean to say is that they don't fit the, the stereotype of of your classic Hell's Angels yeah. biker. Yeah, of yeah. course. Uh, but yeah, they. Uh, <laughs> I, I I love um. I I really love them, especially uh the uh the uh, Mr. Heavyweight, the the bigger guy. He yeah, has the, the bearded guy is my secret MVP of the movie. Just like. His his like polite haplessness when all of this is going on. <laughs> yes, he, that that wouldn't be nice. He says, <laughs> "I love that." Um, they he takes the bell, the angel bell that they have, and he brings it. Uh, Kikajiro brings it to Masao on the beach, and um, and it's this this scene like it kind of destroyed me. It's very very sweet. Uh, he says that, uh, you know, don't don't worry. Um. Your mother, she moved away, but she left this bell for you and said to, um, if you ring it, an angel will come and, uh, and, and, and it will comfort you. And, um, it's, uh, I forgot about this, but we kind of hear the sound, the, the same sound of the bell at the beginning of the movie. Mm. Yeah. My first two notes for this movie are actually angel and bell motif. Yes. Mm. Uh, because, yeah, during that opening, the, the the weird, creepy angel illustrations are everywhere, which I was not a fan of. But then see, once, those... once we see Masao, he's got the winged backpack. And when we uh, see him at the very beginning, and then it's a bunch of bells, bike bells, uh, food in, like wind chimes and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Those, those paintings actually reminded me, maybe because I had beat Takeshi on the mind, but the of the painting at the end of Battle Royale. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, I bet um I bet uh Bitakeshi did that painting. Mm. I bet he did both of those, right? Like I'm I, I Yeah, maybe. Didn't I didn't think I about it had, until now. had made a sort of note to self mental note, like you should look up that paint like 
information about the painting and then of course i never did but um <laughs> which i but, wouldn't be surprised yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh at this point in the movie uh this this obviously destroys masao like they've they've gone on this trip together and uh and you know masao even even as a kid he's not that gullible you know he's he's basically just like whatever like it's it, it's it's very sad and Kikijiro is at this point in the movie is from this point forward bends over backwards to make Masao happy, which is uh, quite sweet. Uh, they uh, they go to um, they go to a uh, summer matsuri, um, and uh, they they play carnival games like the uh, uh, the uh, the goldfish game where mm-hmm. you have the the small paper thin net to try and catch the goldfish. Basically, all these rigged games. Uh, Kikajiro uh, ends up um, getting him a teddy bear uh, by arguing with the guy. Uh, even though the the carny that particular carny is very honest about how uh, every every game is a ripoff, which yeah, uh, was like, very on, funny. Man. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, Kikajiro is like knows that they're rigged and is encouraging Masao to cheat. Yeah, um, yeah. I think and, he recognizes but, Kikajira as like a fellow traveler of like kind of the shady side of things. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, look, guy, like we get these cheap wholesale. Just shut up, buy, and leave us alone. And then he just continues mucking up everything. He starts yeah. scooping the fish with a bowl, like instead of using <laughs> the the little uh, paper nets or whatever. That's yeah, so funny. Yeah. So uh, at this point. Uh, the guy, the Carney running the, um, Carney, that's such a, <laughs> the guy. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yes. The vendor running the, the goldfish game gets up and tells on him to, uh, three Yakuza guys, uh, who, um, I wrote in my notes, Yakuza dudes in a Kitano flick? <laughs> no. Gasp. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, he leaves Masao alone while he sorts these, while he sorts things out and, uh, starts off, you know, very tough guy saying, hey, don't you know, harm, don't, you touch a hair on my head, I'm going to beat the shit out of you guys. And uh, after, after a little while, we see him bloodied up and saying, look, man, I got a kid. And it's, he's just so dejected. Um, I will note when you see that scene of him bloodied up, when it does the reverse shot back onto the Yakuza, like they've got some bruises and stuff too. Ah, Yeah, one guy's holding his head and it's bleeding uh, pretty gnarly too. So yeah, he, he, he did fight back. Yeah. Okay. I guess I didn't I didn't note note it that carefully. Um but I but uh, what I noted was how dejected he was afterwards like at this point he's he's at the end of his rope and he's like, "Well, look, as long as the kid is okay. Like I just want the kid to you know, I, I somebody needs to take care of the kid right now." Mm-hmm. So I I think it's it's kind of interesting uh how he uh how he's made this turn. Uh so while Masao is waiting for uh, for Kikajiro, he's kind of falling asleep, and these two dudes come out of nowhere and are like, "Hey, you shouldn't shouldn't be here alone. There's some pretty weird dudes around." And he uh, and Masao falls into another uh, another nightmare, or I guess this is more yeah. of a a weird dream. They don't just say there's some weird dudes around. I think they tell him that if he's not careful or doesn't have anybody with him, that like a Tengu will uh, like or monsters Tengu. or, or Oh, Tengu. They uh, will say show Tengu. to yeah. to kidnap him, and that's when he falls asleep and has like this weird, weird dream. Yeah, another. I, I guess it's another, uh, another uh, 
nightmare in this in the same style as the one we saw before um and then he wakes up and uh kitano is uh boya he calls him of course it's boy um it's funny because Kikujo doesn't refer to him as Masawi, refers to him as Boya. And uh, he says, oh, I just fell down the stairs, which is how the, um, which is the journal entry that Masawa writes for this section of the movie. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Fell Down the Stairs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, they, uh, they get back on the road and um, by chance they not only meet the, uh, the poet from earlier, Mr. Nice Guy, Anchan, or, and uh, then they also meet the two bikers as well. Uh, and they uh, decide to set up camp near a beach, um, and just sort of uh, kind of kind of hang out a bit, um, and uh, play some games. Basically, uh, they're they're basically uh, playing lackeys to Kikujiro, uh, mm. who is who is basically saying, "Hey, look, just do this for the kid." Sort of sort of situation. Uh, uh, yeah, he's he's sort of. Um, he he is he is even referred to as Aniki at one point um, by uh, by Mr. Baldy. Um, so they have some. He so I think I didn't notice this until after the fact, but uh, he rings the bell four times, um, Masao, and each time he rings the bell, it sort of summons a new weird character. Like uh, hmm. yeah, Mr. Heavyweight becomes a fish. Uh, <laughs> the uh, octopus man uh, comes out as well. As, uh, um, and, uh, they play, uh, let's see, uh, Octopus on Standby. Um, so while, while they're having fun, um, Kikijiro, uh, notes that they are close to, uh, Daitocho, which is, um, a, uh, a, ner- a, a town where his mother resides in a nursing home. Um, and it's implied that uh, Kikijiro is um, is like Masao, and his mother also left him as a child, but he just knows where she is, so he gets uh, Mr. Heavyweight to take him to the nursing home. He gets as far as seeing his mother, but decides not to uh, interact with her, and then um, and then returns. Uh, I think I think this is a very uh, very touching scene, and um, you really you really see some some parallels between him and uh him and the boy mm-hmm. I, like i thought it was very sweet when he first comes back and mr heavyweight is asking him like how did it go did you talk to her what'd you say and he's like shut up i don't want to talk about it just leave me here um and which is like pretty far away but he keeps telling him to go away and you see him next scene is him sitting there smoking on a bench and it pulls out and Mr. Heavyweight is still sitting there waiting on him because mm-hmm. he he is so nice and cares about him, which is just super nice. Yeah, yeah. He, he, I I wrote down Danzig biker always looks so sad. He's wearing <laughs> a, a Danzig shirt. Yeah, um, he is. Yeah. Uh, so then they come back and they resume their diversions, which is which is uh this is uh the uh the longest stretch of the movie where there is just nothing but nonstop fun. Uh. Kikajiro gets Mr. Baldy to dress up as an alien uh, and says, hey, we're going to tell him that a UFO landed. Why don't you go and uh, practice being an alien in the field and, you know, we'll we'll go get you later. Uh, meanwhile, uh, uh, Anchan tells him the story of uh, the Big Dipper, a folk story of the Big Dipper, which is very cute. Um, and they all pass out. 
at camp, forgetting about the UFO story completely. Uh, Mr. Baldy, in full alien getup, uh, discovers everybody asleep in the camp. Uh, the next day, they have a watermelon festival where uh, they... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Kikajira wakes up and they're uh, and they have stolen watermelons from a nearby farm, uh, and uh, they bury Mister Heavyweight. They put a watermelon on his head. Uh, the makeup in this scene and the makeup in all of these scenes is spectacular. By the way, yeah, I yeah. love how elaborate all of these scenarios are. They've got like costumes and, and stage makeup and stuff. Yeah, and then uh, Mister Baldy is like progressively less clothed until eventually he is just constantly nude. totally naked <laughs> yeah his his naughty bits are covered by uh a sensor bar that is just a photo of him as the octopus man yeah which is super super funny uh they spend a uh a, a lot of time playing Dharma-san, which is uh the japanese schoolboy equivalent of playing red light green light mm. um and uh they have a lot of fun on there uh, at one point, uh, Mr. Heavyweight, uh, <laughs> um, he swings on a rope, um, and falls into a giant frog's nest, basically, and chases everybody away like a giant monster, which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, there's some really great sound effects on that frog. Uh, every time he blinked, it was this very distinct sound effect that I, that I, uh, that I really liked. Um, and uh, there is yet another dream dream sequence to close everything out, where um, uh, it's Big Dipper related, and all of uh, Masao's new friends are playing Dharma-san, but they're all wearing really elaborate, wacky costumes now. Uh, yeah, I just imagine them shooting that, and they're like, "What does the studio have in the costume department that we can <laughs> just slap on?" Because they're all just like people have random like period pieces or like other goofy get-ups. It's really yeah. cute. Um, yeah, something that hit me during this, uh, all of the like goofing around on the beach here, uh, we got a taste of it earlier when they're playing with the, the juggler and her boyfriend, but at some point during the Sonatina, uh, episode, one of us talked about like, we wish we could have the movie where it was just like a bunch of dudes having fun on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> and this is actually that movie. Like, it's like. Some sad things happen, but like nobody gets murdered. It's just like, you know, guys having hanging out, having fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. Um I think that's yeah, that's I guess why I love this so much. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. and I think similarly, uh, when we were talking about Zatuichi, uh we were talking about how stuff that we liked, the little bits of surrealism and dancing weren't quite pushed enough in Zatuichi. But here, I think it's like kind of perfect. Mm -hmm. um, so I think this really, yeah, is kind of the, you know, the best of both of those worlds of what we kind of wanted a little bit more of from those two movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so they uh, after some, some uh, basically after this uh, dream sequence, um, the bikers leave and have this really cute goodbye uh, where they're waving and. Um, it made me it made me sort of melancholy because we just had this really great couple days with them and it like I like I mentioned earlier it's that it's that melancholy you feel after a, a wonderful time it, it's it's almost like you're experiencing this with the characters, uh, so uh, Masao and Kikujiro um, finish off their journey in uh, Mr. Nice Guy's car to Tokyo 
Um, they play, uh, I think they play Dara Masan a little more with a, a giant oil drum. So that was kind of cute. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, he drops them off uh, at a bridge very close to Tokyo. And um, he says he's on his way to Osaka, then Kyushu, which is, uh, hey, leaves leaves it open for a uh, a Anchan sequel, right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this is where Masao and Kikijiro part ways. And um, Kikijiro says, uh, it's so uh, it's so it's so great. He says, let's do this again sometime. Uh, and he tells them to take care of his grandma and... Uh, and he finally, he finally finds out uh, Kikuchiro's name. He's, hey, what's your name? What's your name anyway, mister? And uh, he's, ah, Kikuchiro, now get out of here, you scamp. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like that moment is him being like, you're not just this, like, friend of my grandma's who's taking me on a trip. Like, you're my friend now. I need to know your name. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the movie ends um, with Masao passing, uh, like crossing a bridge and the angel bell uh, ringing and the bell just, the bell had, has at this point in the movie become such a, uh, a heartstring puller for me. And, uh, and this is also probably my favorite part of the soundtrack where the, the light motif comes in, but it has so much more instrumentation with it. It's just mm. very sweet. Yes. Yeah. So that was, that was Kikijiro, everybody. Um, what'd y'all think? I loved it. So good. <laughs> uh, you know, putting Bitakeshi's style, which is so like deadpan in many ways, but like kind of laying it over this heartfelt, sweet story was super effective. Um, like, uh, I, I definitely think this is my favorite of his films, at least from what I've seen. Definitely. Uh, yeah, definitely. And um, the scene that affected me the most is just as far as kind of like, where everything built up for me and I felt the most emotional was, was the scene of them looking up at the stars and imagining all of them playing the Dharma game. Cause, and I couldn't quite place like what was hitting me so hard. Cause this isn't like a lot of times the sort of emotional height of a movie is when someone's actions are very moving or like everything's kind of coming together. But like it, it, it was just kind of seeing everything like everyone, like how these, you know, these goofy guys have come to mean so much to Masao. And it's very heartwarming because like, I don't know, like I think this movie is about kindness in a lot of ways. And it's like uh, it, that moment was when I really thought about how kind it was of these strangers to, uh, you know, to be nice to this boy when they really felt like he needed it, uh, even when he was around this sort of jerky adult guy, you know. Um, and, and the jerky adult guy included, uh, the kindness of him. Like it really all hit me at that moment. Um, yeah, yeah. I loved it. <laughs> How about uh, you guys? I loved it too. Um, the, and, and for a lot of the same reasons, uh, where that like kind of the themes of kindness hit me was actually when they were hanging out with the juggler and her boyfriend in the field. Mm. Um, like it, it hit me in waves again as they met other people and hung out with them. But that initial, moment and in reading a lot about the or reading up on the film uh the kind of like outsider nature of everyone they meet is um like in retrospect is is very important because like they're they're bikers and this weird poet that doesn't really belong in society and kind of like 
people who are non-standard performers and just the idea of like both both Kikajura and Masao were abandoned by their mothers these people who are like the person that gave birth to them their family somebody who's supposed to be really important but they left them behind but these random people that they meet on the road who are similarly like kind of outcast from society and don't fit in anywhere else become kind of chosen family for these small moments they're together. And yeah, just that, that's complete kindness and sweetness of those scenes, even though they're people who barely know each other and have no reason to like get along so well, just seeing Masao like smiling as the dude is doing the robot dance and mm-hmm. everybody just <laughs> getting along so well was super sweet. Yeah. It's actually funny that you mentioned that theme because uh, apparently the film was inspired by the Wizard of Oz. Um, huh. the, the of course the road trip angle being being a uh, being a uh, you know key proponent, but I think the main uh, the main similarities that they share are the characters that they encounter, and um, I think it's also fun because those characters you see them in. Uh, like like how Dorothy's uh you know cohorts are also people that um she has met in her quote unquote you know not dream life um you see these people that Masao meets in his dream life as well hmm. I thought that was kind of a, yeah that's kind really of an cool. interesting interesting yeah. yeah similarities yeah uh I of course love this movie um I forgot how much I loved it and I think the thing I love the most about it honestly is that it makes me feel every emotion like I, I felt, you know, I felt happiness. I felt sadness. I felt anger. I felt love. I felt, you know, compassion. I felt, uh, you know, confusion. It, it's such a, it's such a roller coaster. But in, in the end, it's, it's such a, such a heartwarming, uh, heartwarming story, and it's funny. Like it's, uh, there's, there's so much to it, and uh, as far as Beat Takeshi's movies go, yeah, it's definitely my favorite as well. I think it. It really moves compared to uh, some of his mm-hmm. other films, as well. Um, yeah. Uh, now we touched on we touched on uh, Joe Hisaishi, but we should talk about his his the uh, the leitmotif that you had mentioned, uh, Scott Summer. Um, this this song that repeats uh, over and over. Uh, it's beautiful. Um, yeah. And it really does feel like a classic a classic film or a classic. Uh, well, classic uh, song score like it feels very unique like to this film like a lot of times these sort of famous composers have these sort of like I, even Hisaishi have these this sort of like sweeping overarching sound that like really touches you but doesn't sound specific and mm-hmm. I feel like this melody is very specific to this to this movie yeah uh, I I 100% agree. Um, according to Wikipedia, is also rearranged and used for Toyota, Toyota Corolla commercials. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so are Beatles songs or whatever. So. <laughs> no, that's that's true. Yeah, I I would uh, I would definitely call this an iconic uh, movie theme. All right, so uh, there's a couple a couple things that um, uh, I wanted to introduce to uh, to. Our, our lovely podcast to Hoyaro. Um, moving forward, uh, I would like to offer up the uh, what I would like to call the Takashi Shimura Award uh, for <laughs> for um, mem- memorable uh, breakout performance. 
uh, much I I uh, am basing this award on um, Shimura's uh, Shimura's performance in the uh, first Torasan movie that we saw, where he just completely steals it. Uh, do you do you guys have any nominees for the Takashi Shimura Award for this movie? Hmm. Uh, definitely uh, Kikijiro's wife. Just like she's such a small part of the movie, but their their rapport together and the way she is is putting up with Kikijiro and also like reining him in as needed. Yeah, uh, an honorable mention goes to the jungle cats on all of her outfits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> Far out. That's but yeah. She's. I'm afraid I can't remember the actress's name, but that character is just so like notable and strong-headed, even though she's such a small part of the film that it just really stands out to me. Great, yeah. Uh, I would, uh, I'd be inclined to agree. Um, I think you you had also mentioned uh, the uh, the Mr. Heavyweight character as well, which I mm-hmm. which I think would get my um, would get my my award. Uh, just. Uh, uh, he exudes this a, a beautiful, beautiful energy. Um, yeah, him being able to do so much comedy, just like standing there looking kind of sad. Is, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, um, I also have another, another little segment I'd like to introduce because, uh, and I'm going to call it, uh, shall we dance? Uh, <laughs> if this movie was remade for American audiences, Oh. Uh, how how different would it be, and uh, who potentially would be uh, cast in the movie? Uh, Tom Green. He is, uh, <laughs> they all get in an RV together, and I don't know. Um. <laughs> I, I feel like the scenario would be quite similar. You know, going to see a long lost mother, and then finding out that uh, you know things aren't aren't as they seem. That's that, that seems like it'd be a pretty real scenario. Uh, it would be a journey maybe from Tokyo to uh, maybe somewhere in Texas or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely feel like this would translate into a Western movie pretty easily, except what I talked about earlier with uh, Japanese school children having, having a lot more independence, like a, a child going off with a like older neighbor would probably raise some eyebrows over here. But uh, but yeah, I think it would translate fine. And because he's in everything right now, I feel like it'd be starring jo- uh, Josh Brolin. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Just a very good like he he'd be less like a little less manic, a little more taciturn, but yeah, this like grumpy kind of older older straight man to play off all the goofiness around him. Wow, that's actually pretty perfect casting. He's got a, an incredible range to him too. Uh, yeah, that's 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 really good. Um, I meant by the way, I think I said Tokyo earlier. I meant to say New York. Oh okay. Uh, from okay. New York City, from New York City. I thought City you just Texas. meant transplanting the the setting from Tokyo to Texas to make it oh, from no. one end of Texas to the other or something. Actually, that would probably work better because Texas is humongous. Uh yeah. California California actually might work a little better too just because of um uh the weather. Mhm. You know, uh, the weather would keep and uh you could still have these uh I guess instead of uh, red light green or Dara Masan, they'd be playing red light, red light green light. Or uh, I guess since watermelon festivals don't exist in uh, <laughs> don't exist in um, in America, that would in probably the tail have to. Donkey. Yeah, stuff like that. If if kids still play that anymore, I don't know. I guess Minecraft would <laughs> they would take the place of any of those things. <laughs> they'd be playing Minecraft and Pokemon Go. <laughs> the kid would be like, let's just FaceTime. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think it would probably be a, a pretty all right American adaptation if they if they were to do it. But I think that if they were to do it, it would have been done already. Yeah, I think that to go along with that, I feel like if they redid an American version, it would have to be a period piece for a number of reasons. Yeah. Like you could probably send off your your child with a random adult neighbor probably in like the 80s, but not now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um all right. So uh if anybody else uh I guess uh are you guys are you guys uh good? Uh I I had something that I wanted to I wanted to talk about the framing device a little bit more. Yes, let's do that. Um Go. I you know, as I was watching it, I was struck by how much of the movie was being told through these vignettes that often didn't quite lead into each other in any smooth way and were seemingly disconnected and it's kind of not till towards the end that things start really you know, moving into each other and stuff. And, um, and I was enjoying those little chapter headers, you know, we've got the sort of crayon like writing and the little things are kind of like these moving photos where they've got this sort of like Polaroid photo frame and then a little, it's like a still image except for like things are still moving around it, you know? Um, and I thought that looked really cool and was really neat, but it, it was only about halfway through that I realized that it was mimicking that, um, you know, what I did over the summer workbook that Masao mm-hmm. has that we mentioned. Um, and then I kind of came to understand these somewhat stilted scenes as depictions of like what it would be kind of like to hear a kid describing in their journal, you know, like July 10th, I went to you know, the pool with my friend or whatever. Um, and then, uh, you know, taking into the ending where he says, you know, it's not until the very end that we get Kikujiro's name revealed. And um, when I think about that, and I'm kind of like, why is that a big reveal? And and why is it framed that way? Um, the, the, original, the Japanese title to this movie is actually Kikujiro's Summer. And when I take that into account, it's almost like this film is actually more like Kikujiro's workbook. And um, I just really think that that's really neat. Um that and, and it endeared me to the film even more yeah my read on that like the <clears throat> uh yeah it's it's sweet realize it thinking back to the title screen that i didn't put much thought into when it showed up but it's like kikajira summer written in like crayon mm-hmm. by a child and my read on that was like masao is it's because he as as weird as Kikajira is, he's he actually ends up really selfless at the end of the movie, just trying to rally all these people to cheer up a child. And in a similar way, Masao is also selfless. And he's not like what I did this summer. He's he's telling like his idea of telling the story is like, This is my friend Kikajiro, and this is what I saw him do. Yeah, and through this you see that it not like through context of the story, you can tell how this is really important to Masao, but kind of more when you think of it back as Kikujiro recording the events of them doing this stuff together, you realize mm-hmm. that it's also very important to Kikujiro as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well said. I, uh, I also thought about like, what does he have in that backpack? And, and, my, and I guess it's the, it's the, what I did on my vacation book, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's, and his his math study materials that Kijiro takes one look at, and he's like, 
Yep, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I right. think that's a thing. I think that what I did over the summer workbook thing is a more common thing in Japan that kids have to do over the summer because they're <laughs> constantly have to have homework even when they're on vacation. I think they have to like record the we- I've I've read that they have to like record the weather every day and talk about what they did and stuff. Yeah, that's true. I did, you know, I did remember um when I was a kid I had one of those in first oh, did grade. You? Yeah, I had a uh I had a I had to do a what I did my, on my summer vacation homework, which doesn't make any sense because I was going from first grade to second grade and I didn't have the same teacher. So um, <laughs> I don't know why I had to do that. I guess it was just a oh fun thing for a kid to do. But um, they tricked you into it. They did. <laughs> and that year uh, was one of the many years that I went to Greece. And it was the first time that I encountered a, a hole in the ground in place of a toilet. Mm. Uh, and I thought that was the funniest thing, and it was the highlight of my what I did on my summer vacation book. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, Kikajiro, four stars. I love it. Um, um, before we move on, there yeah. are a couple things I wanted to point out. Please. Uh, number one is once he gets the blue backpack on the wings, uh, because I like anime conventions, I just constantly see that as happy from fairy tale. Because there's a billion happy backpacks that look just like that now. Ah. The same, like, blue color and wings and everything. Um, but the the thing that really stuck out to me visually is the comedic use of sudden cuts back and forth. Like mm. we talked about earlier, The you don't actually see him getting beaten up by the Yakuza. You just see some him talking to them, cut away, cut back, and, like, everybody is beat up and they're still talking. Even And it's the same... The shot is is framed identically, but you can tell like things have happened in between, uh, and especially the scenes in the pool at the hotel, where it's he's trying to swim and then is just like drowning, and it next thing it cuts to the to all the staff and like <laughs> uh, the they've got like paramedic people with a stretcher there to help him, but he's like, no, I'm fine. Oh yeah, um, but yeah, just those use the the directorial choice there of all these cuts um also in the hotel when he they keep doing stuff and the uh the concierge is like not allowed not allowed oh yeah <laughs> when they're really fishing yeah that's that. my favorite shot of the movie is just the, both of them squatting with the fishing poles looking identical yeah me too there's this uh really weird scene that i i don't know why but it made me laugh super hard where um they're at the hotel and there is a uh there's a big strip of duct tape <laughs> on the statue's private parts oh yeah <laughs> like i <laughs> i thought that was the funniest fucking thing like yeah <laughs> like uh, it's it, it was it was in line with all of the like oh yeah don't do this don't do that like yeah oh, totally so many rules at this hotel and one of them is we have to cover up this the statue's uh naughty bits oh god um yeah the uh the that swimming scene is super funny, and I love that it gets brought back later on where uh, Kikajiro wakes up, and he is... Um, oh, yeah. Swimming in the tent. <laughs> swimming in the tent, yeah. yeah. Oh, so that reminds me. Um, we didn't talk about this yet. Uh, this is a staple of, of Toho Yara. We haven't even done yet. Um, favorite scenes. Favorite scenes in the movie. Did you guys have a favorite scene that you want to talk about? The framing device is what I wanted to talk about in this section, so I'm good. I rest Great. my case, Your Honor. Yeah, wonderful. And my my favorite was the one with uh, where they're uh, in the in the field of grass and just capping it off with the pullout of of 
please stay off the grass. Yeah, that's such a that's such a wonderful. Yeah, I felt so scene. stupid because I was like, as they were pulling out, I I can't read uh, kanji, but some of them look familiar. And as they're pulling out, you see the two red ones, and I'm like, that looks familiar. And so I I used uh, the Google Translate app to like draw the kanji, and it was like no entry or something and it zooms out further and it just puts the the subtitle on it i didn't need to actually pause and try to translate for myself <laughs> i felt stupid but uh funny. but yeah that's just such a great capper for the scene and also goes along with the like these people are outsiders who don't really belong elsewhere but are kind of finding companionship together mm-hmm. is that their their entire like existence is occurring where it's not supposed to yeah yeah that's well said. Uh, I think I talked about the scene with the tack in the car earlier. Um, <laughs> like I, <laughs> I can't not think about that scene and laugh my ass off. It's so funny. Like I hope they just. I hope they did that in one take because they had to get that out of the aquifer. Like that. <laughs> so funny. Um, yeah. So I guess. I guess uh, aside from that, I really love the. Uh, I, boy, I really loved the the fish and the octopus scene the first time I saw it, mm. I thought that was really great. I loved the makeup. Um, yeah, you know, when he's first, that's the first time that they show them, like, painting on them, and so when we first see the uh, heavyweight guy swimming and he's got those fish scales, for a second I was like, oh, does he have tattoos? But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's got the cadence of all those are very good because you'll have a lot of the times it is, the joke is that they've got the the bearded guy like dressed up and doing something goofy and then we'll just pan over to where the bald guy is like waiting for his turn and he's even more ridiculous looking <laughs> or as we said in one case just straight up naked yeah yeah he just he just lets it all hang out doesn't he mr baldy uh <laughs> so uh yeah kikajiro i'm i'm really glad that we were able to uh, um to watch this and talk about it. I've, I've been looking forward to this one for a really long time and uh, I, I really needed an excuse to revisit it. And I'm really glad that you guys liked it too. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. Yep. So uh, what do we have in store for next month? Next month, uh, gas up because we're returning to the world of Truck Yaro um, with the fifth Truck Yaro movie from 1977, Dokyo Ichiban Boshi, AKA Truck Star of Guts. <laughs> uh, this one's got uh, the aforementioned Sonny Chiba in it and, you know, the the truck guys that you've come to know and love with the first film and all sorts of good stuff. So, um, uh, yeah, look forward to it. This is this is another one, you know, as with the first one, that's kind of harder for most of our listeners to get a hold of, unfortunately. Um, but as always, we'll go over it in depth and, and hopefully it'll still be enjoyable to talk about. Right. So... Yep. If you look hard enough, you can find it, though, right? That's mm-hmm. the... Great. <laughs> That's all. It's floating out there. Everybody needs to know. Yeah. Great. This is this is possibly my favorite Chuck Yarrow. Not to overhype it too much, but it's 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 up is, there for me. Is this one of the ones you've shown me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really... The, the, yeah, I'm not going to spoil it. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, in that case, uh, it's time for plugs. Uh, Scott, where can the good people find you, and what are you up to? Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter at FriskaChat, V-R-I-S-K-A-C-H-A-T. Uh, as usual, I don't have much going on. I'm probably going to be like panic 
doing stuff for Dragon Con cosplay at some point in the near future because even though it's a few months away, it's like two weeks and and like things I will actually do time. So, oh, wow. what are you uh, what are you cosplaying? I don't know. That's part of the problem. Oh wow! <laughs> I've got a list of stuff I need to narrow down. Well, if you need to, if you need any help, I know that a couple friends of mine are going for the first time in their cosplaying Adventure Zone. So, ooh, cool. Yeah, good choice. Uh, as as for me, you can find me at Twitter uh, or on Twitter rather at dude exclamation all one word, um, and you can listen to me weekly on the One Piece podcast, and um, you can also hear me on several other podcasts that I've made appearances on, including the Saturday Morning Cartoons podcast. That's morning spelled uh, as if you are at a funeral. It's uh, <laughs> and, and uh, I talk about. Uh, I, I joined the the guys in their conversation about Heathcliff and the Cadillac Cats. Ooh, nice. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> which um, is a ridiculous show, and um, I I like it even less than I did when I was a kid. Uh, <laughs> spoiler alert. And um, you can also listen to me on uh, uh, one of the latest episodes of Conversation Genesis Evangelion, a uh, the. Um, Mr. Mr. Matt J on Twitter. Uh, that's that's his podcast that he does on uh, on Patreon for his Cartoons One Hundred and One Patreon. Um, at the five dollar level, you get access to to all sorts of podcasts um, and, and uh, some really cool cartoon based ones, uh, including, of course, uh, Conversation on Genesis Evangelion, which is a um, a Eva podcast going through Evangelion. Uh, I'm on that with uh, Ed from the One Piece podcast, and uh, he is going to be a uh, as soon as that podcast is done, he will be starting, uh, I believe it's called um, uh, Satoshi Conversations, which is... Uh, uh, those guys. Yeah. <laughs> so um, look forward to that. And uh, if you've been on Crunchyroll or follow them on Twitter, then yes, it's true. I am Weeb Simpsons. I run the Weeb <laughs> Simpsons Twitter account. Uh, if you go on Crunchyroll, there is a pretty fun interview that I did with them um, about a month and a half ago. Uh, please check that out. It was a lot of fun to do. And of course, please follow Weep Simpsons on Twitter. I'm sorry for that laundry list of plugs. Um, Joey, <laughs> I hand it off to you. All right. Let's see what I got in the laundry here. Uh, so follow me on Twitter as well at Joey Weiser. Uh, JoeyWeiser.tumblr.com is where I post uh, news about what's going on with my comics. And hey, uh, please check out my newly relaunched website, uh, tragicplanet.com, which is tragic-planet, the uh, the URL that looks good in text, but is difficult to describe. <laughs> um, and I just uh, launched uh, a whole new portfolio site, so you can get, or you can see, like, illustration work and comics work and uh, links to where you can find out more information about my books and stuff and a bio and all all that good stuff that an artist should have on the, on the web. Um, so please check that out. I'm pretty proud of how, how it turned out. Um, uh, the Merman books are, of course, all available, uh, one through five, uh, in hardcover, softcover, digital. Um, later this month, um, I'm going to be at heroes con uh june 15th through 17th um so if you're in the charlotte north carolina area see me there um and then besides that uh follow toho yaro on twitter at toho yaro you can email us toho yaro at gmail.com um what like uh we recently oh i should mention this off off hand here um we did conclude our Mako kaji book contest 
um, and it went to a fellow podcaster, um, Dawn from the Anime Nostalgia Podcast. Um, she's really cool. I swear uh, this wasn't rigged, <laughs> but um, yeah. So and she she seems pretty happy about it. That it's been delivered and whatnot. So keep keep an ear out. We might have uh, similar contests and things like that in the future. Oh, um, wonderful. You know, Don has Don has also been on an episode of Conversation Genesis Evangelion. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and um, and of course, subscribe, rate, and review, and all that good stuff that podcasts want you to do. We want you to do that too. All right. Um. Great. Well, that's that about does it for us. Uh. So um, thank you for tuning into the Kikujiro episode, and stay tuned next month for Trakiyaro Dokyo Ichiban Boshi, the fifth Trakiyaro movie. That is correct. Bye-bye. Bye.